God is a God of purpose, that he doesn't do anything by chance. God doesn't leave things up, and up to the lottery. God is very purposeful, very definite, does things with an intention. And so it is in the church. We do things for a reason. Last week you heard about why we have small groups, focus groups, relationship, evangelism, and discipleship. You were listening. Praise God. The week before that, we did praise and worship. Today, we're going to do, why do we baptize? Why do we baptize? Did you all manage to pick up your message notes on the way in? If you didn't, just wave and somebody who loves you a lot will come and pass you one of those sermon notes. Here we've got some people at the front here. Maybe you could help us just to make sure that everybody's got sermon notes. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good, so amazing. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. You are everything to us. Father, we have just sung to you. Lord, we give you our hearts. We give you our lives. We give you our soul. Father, the reason that we say that is because you're worth it. You are worthy. And it is our joy It is our privilege, it is our honor to be able to give you our lives. And now, Father, we give you our minds and ask that you would speak through our minds into our hearts, that we would hear, receive, and be doers of your word in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. This is our key Bible quote for this sermon series taken from Ephesians chapter 3 verse 21 to him that's to God be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever amen the reason that we do what we do within the church is for this purpose So that we can bring glory to God. Not to another person, to another man or woman, not even to another organization. But we desire to bring glory to God. That's why we praise and worship. Because we want to give him the glory. That's why here in the nations we have small groups called focus groups because through them relationships can develop evangelism which means reaching out to the lost happens discipleship which means that we are daily growing in our relationship with God and with each other all of these things happen for this purpose to glorify God my friends as followers of Jesus Christ our lives Our daily lives need to be such that they glorify God. And not just our lives on Sundays. Our lives throughout the week. In our workplaces. With our very difficult bosses. Our very difficult students. 
are very difficult customers. My friends, that is the place where God enables us to glorify him. How? By how we are in those circumstances, in our homes. You know, it is, it is so sad, I find, that in so many Christian homes, the relationships between mother and father, between parents and children, doesn't glorify God. It doesn't reflect his love, his power, his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy. And yet, you know, this is true. We never stop being church. My friends, we're as much church in our workplace, in our place of education, in our home, in our college, in our university, as we are as we sit here this morning. How many of you understand that? The church is the people, not the building. Many years ago, I was in a time of prayer and the Holy Spirit said to me, he asked me a question. He said, John, what are you doing on Sunday? And uh, I was co-pastoring a church then and I thought, Holy Spirit, that's a funny question. You know what I'm doing. But he said, John, what are you doing on Sunday? I said, I'm going to church. And the Holy Spirit corrected me. How many of you have been corrected by the Holy Spirit? That's a good thing. I love the correction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, John, never say that again. I said, never say that I'm going to church? He said, that's right. He said, you are church. You don't go to church. And it was like big curtains got pulled away from in front of my eyes. And I realized that the church is not the building, of course. The church is not even a collection of people. The church is you and I. And we are the church every day of the week. And wherever we go, God wants this to happen for him to be glorified through us. Through us. Not through the person sitting beside you. Through you. God wants to be glorified. To be made much of. We, we are to be like signposts. Just, just after we moved to Korea, my wife and I visited uh, uh, Young and, and Kelly. They lived in, in Seoul then. And, and we got directions. We had just started driving. We got directions up Highway 1 over the river. And then we had to turn left onto that sort of inner circle road that goes around Seoul. We found them in record time. We had some wonderful time of fellowship with them. They're smiling because they know the story. We left their home, I think, about 10 p.m. And we had some directions. And we got hopelessly lost. Seriously, it was a stormy night. It was pouring with rain. We were totally and utterly lost. It took us over three hours to get home. And we were on the phone 
trying to, to get help from Young and Kelly. They were looking at a map and they would say, where are you? Yeah, that's a good question. Where are we? And they would say, well, what does the signpost say? So we would look at the signpost and drive past it. And of course, it's too late then. We are to be signposts to God. My friends, there are countless people out there who are lost, who don't know where God is. And we're to be signposts for people who are lost, like we were, signposts to show people where God is. What God is really like, we're to glorify him through the church, through Christ Jesus. Amen? That's our key scripture. So why do we baptize? What do we mean by baptism? There are lots of different forms of baptism. And the purpose of this message is not to pick holes and criticize with other forms of baptism, but just to say this, here at the Nations, we practice what we call the believer's baptism, where we take somebody who is confessing faith in Jesus Christ, who is born again, and we find a relatively clean pool of water, And we totally immerse them underneath that water and then we lift them up again. That's what we mean by baptism. The word baptize means to saturate. And so we take a person, we saturate them with water, but we also bring them up again. That's the baptism that we're talking about. That's the baptism that the Bible talks about. So as we talk about why we baptize, That's what we're talking about. Not the sprinkling or the wiping of of water on a baby's forehead. But the baptism that believers practice by full immersion in water. Now when we read our Bibles, we see that when the apostles, when Peter, Paul and other of the apostles preached the gospel, how to become a Christian... They would say words very similar to this, as we read in Acts chapter 2, repent. That means stop the way you're living and don't live that way anymore. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. These words are at the end of of a very famous preach that Peter gave on the day of Pentecost. Repent and let every one of you be baptized. The point is here, repentance and baptism are joined together. Somewhere throughout history, the two have been separated. Becoming a Christian has become detached from being baptized. And the resulting fact is this. There are many people who profess Jesus Christ to be their savior, yet they have never been baptized by full immersion in water. 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 Y'all. (laughs) 
been to Alabama. I tell you what, I can understand Korean better than I can Alabamese. Man, we were sitting in a restaurant and these, these native Alabamese people were talking. Sorry if you come from there. I had no idea what they were saying. Foreign language. Anyway, somehow becoming a Christian and being baptized has been separated. I don't know how that happened. But if you were around at the time, and of course you weren't because none of you are quite that old, when Peter was preaching, when John was preaching, you would have always heard them talk about repentance or believing in Jesus and being baptized as if it was one and the same thing. And actually, it is. It is. We'll see at the end of our message this morning, Jesus never intended the two to be separated. They, they were always intended to be one and the same act. As we make a decision to serve and follow Christ, the first thing that is asked of us is to be baptized. And I'm going to say it this way to you straight away, holding nothing back. If you say you're a Christian and you haven't been baptized, you need to be. You need to be. And it just so happens that we're in the middle of planning our next baptism service. So we'll give you the date. The evangelist Philip was sent by God to speak to a man from Ethiopia. He was riding in his chariot reading the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah. And he came to a place where he realized that he needed to be saved. They came to some water, maybe an oasis, because they were in the desert. And the, the Ethiopian said, see, here is some water. What's stopping me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can. And that is the only requirement for baptism that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ so if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ you need to be baptized and I pray and believe that at the end of our time together today you'll understand more of why it's so important so repentance and baptism are to be together now I'm hesitating because so many people say well do I have to be baptized and The thief on the cross. You remember one of the thieves that died with Jesus? He said, remember me, Lord, when you come. Remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And, And so many people have said to me, you see, I don't need to be baptized. Because the thief wasn't. And he was in paradise. My goodness, he didn't really have a whole lot of opportunity. Let's, let's be blunt about this. We're making a huge assumption and making excuses for us not wanting to do something on the basis of a guy who was just about dead. He didn't have the option. My friends, you'll see later that it's not an option to be baptized. It's actually a command. So let's not try to wiggle out of what God is asking us to do. It was actually the practice of the early church. 
this is this baptism by immersion of believers is not something that has evolved over the history of the church. It was something that was at the very beginning of the church. There's a story in Acts chapter 16 of how Paul and Silas were thrown into prison basically because they were bringing the kingdom of God onto earth. They delivered a a, a young girl from demons. They were thrown into prison and, and they worshipped God and praised him at midnight. There was an earthquake. The chains of all the prisoners broke. The doors opened. And the keeper of that prison was afraid because he thought all of the prisoners had escaped. And he would have to face his superiors and probably be killed. And so he jumps, he runs into the prison with a sword ready to kill himself. And Paul says, don't do it. We're all here. There's no need to take your own life. And it says here in verse 29 that the prison keeper, he called for a light. You see, it wasn't the prison with running water and sky TV and internet and gyms. And all those sorts of things, there was nothing there apart from rats. So he called for a light. He ran in. He fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said to them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Let me stop there. Paul and Silas were glorifying God. This is the direct result of that. How many of you have been in prison? Didn't think many people would put their hands up. For those of you who have and didn't put your hands up, that's fine. I wonder what your response was there. Did you spend all your time praising God? I'm not so sure whether I would be able to do that. But Paul and Silas were falsely accused, thrown into prison, beaten, and they still praised God. They still glorified him. And this is a direct result The prison keeper watched them and saw their reaction. People are watching us as the children of God. And upon sometimes our response, it determines whether they see God or not. We are salt. We are light to this world. We're here to bring glory, not to ourselves, but to him who's worth it. And to be a light, a signpost for people to find God. Paul and Silas did this. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and To all who were in his house, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately, not after three years of discipleship course, not after they had proved by their behavior that they were Christians, but immediately he and all his family were baptized baptized 
Now, two things here. One is immediately. We've already said that being saved and being baptized, really, Jesus never intended to be separated. But neither do we need to wait months, years to see whether a person is sincere about their confession, about their belief in Jesus. In the New Testament, they believed and were baptized immediately. The second thing is that the prison keeper and his family, it is my guess that within that term family, there were probably some young adults, maybe some youth, maybe some children. Do we baptize children here in the nations? Yes, we do. The criteria is this. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, you may be baptized. Now, of course, we work in conjunction with parents or guardians. But if a, young, if a child believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we have no place to stop them following in obedience and serving God and being baptized. So yes, we baptize children, youth, adults, senior citizens. As long as you're still alive, we'll baptize you. And if you're not alive, then we'll bury you. But we won't bring you back up again. So it was a practice of the early church to see people believe and be baptized. Now, Baptism is much more than a tradition. I hope you can see that it was at the very beginnings of what we call church. It is much more than a tradition, like communion, as we share together this morning. We do not do that just because of a tradition. We do that because Jesus has asked us to remember him in that way. Baptism, we don't baptize people just because it's a tradition. We do it because Jesus has asked us to do that. Now, when we think about salvation, I want us to take a few moments to look at how our salvation is linked so closely to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in those three ways, we become identified with Christ Jesus. So first of all, we identify with the death of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 27, it says, And Jesus cried out with a loud voice. Another one of the Gospels tells us that he cried out, It is finished, a victorious cry. And the Bible says, He yielded up his spirit or he died. Some would say that Jesus didn't really die. Well, that's just a lie. Because he did die. His physical body literally died. Why would you wrap up a still living person and put them in a tomb if they were not dead? Jesus died. He actually died. The Bible says that he As we read here, he yielded up his spirit. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he yielded up his spirit and died. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, you'll see on your notes there, the Apostle Paul says this, For I have been 
crucified with Christ. Now, what does Paul mean by that? Does it mean that Paul was one of those thieves that died with Jesus? No, it doesn't mean that at all. What Paul is saying is this. My old sinful nature was crucified with Christ. That part of us which finds it so easy to do wrong. If any of you have got children, and if you've been around the nations for long, you will have heard me say this before. Any of you parents, you never had to teach your children how to do wrong. It seems to come natural. Yeah? You have to teach them how to do right. The reason for that is because as wonderful and beautiful and as much as your children are a gift of God, Every child is born with a sinful nature. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we have a sinful nature. That is the part of us that needs to die. That is the part of Paul that he said was crucified with Christ. That, my friend, is how we identify with Christ in death. Our old nature must die. So many people are trying to improve their sinful nature to make it better. It's a waste of time. It doesn't work. It is sinful by its very nature and you cannot change it. You have to let it die. That's the only thing to do with it. And Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. He recognized that Jesus bore his old sinful nature on the cross at Calvary. And for us in our salvation, that's something we must experience and recognize too. That our old sinful nature has been crucified with Christ. But we also identify with Christ in burial. And this is where baptism comes in the bible says in matthew 27 that a man called joseph he took the body of christ he wrapped it in clean linen fine linen and he laid it in a new tomb the body of christ was buried in a new tomb that's how they did it and a big stone was put in front of the entrance now read what it says in romans chapter 6 We therefore, we were therefore, sorry, buried with him through baptism into death. This is how we identify with Christ in burial. Let me put it this way. If I was to die right now, it didn't happen. But just imagine I did. Okay? If Joe found out about it, my wife, she would come and pray and lay hands on me and probably raise me from the dead. She's a woman of faith. But let's imagine that didn't happen either. But I'm, I'm laying here dead. Would you arrange for my body to be buried? Or would you leave it laying around here? Yeah, you would arrange for it 
to be buried, apart from Eddie, who would preserve me, probably have me stuffed, because he loves me so much, and stand me in his hallway. No, seriously, you'd bury me or cremate me, depending on what your persuasion is. You would get rid of the body. Why? Thank you. I like you too. Exactly. The body will start to decompose. It will start to smell. And it will attract disease through flies and bugs and things. Yuck. Anybody put off their lunch? We bury it. We get it out of the way because it attracts disease. My friends, very, very simply, this is why it's important for us to be baptized The old nature has been crucified with Christ. Don't leave it laying around. Because it will attract sin. Just like a natural body will attract disease. You see, a lot of people say, okay, you've made a confession of Jesus Christ. Now, before we baptize you, we want to make sure that you are a Christian. So we will watch you and we'll see if your life has changed. And then we'll baptize you. Uh, And sometimes it goes on for months and years. And this old body, this old nature is dead but laying around. And then those people are surprised when that person falls into sin. My friends, It's going to happen because the old body hasn't been buried. How many of you can see the picture that we're painting here? Yeah? The old nature has been crucified with Christ, but it's got to be buried. And I would say immediately, I have a dream. Who said that once? Oh, yes. I have this this dream I would love to have a church building with an open baptistry. And, and people get born again. And we have loads of spare t-shirts and jogging suits. And we baptize them straight away. We see their old nature crucified on the cross with Christ. And we bury their old nature in baptism. That's what it's all about. It's not some religious ritual. That only the elite, those who can manage to live a good Christian life, are allowed to do. Immediately, they were baptized. Not next day, next week, next month, next year. Immediately. My friends, if, 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 you're, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're born again, and you haven't been baptized... Somewhere, somewhere you're dragging around this dead, stinky body, which attracts sin. Best thing you can do, bury it. Bury it. Be baptized. Is it making sense? Yeah? Good. So we're identified with Christ through through baptism or burial. Third thing. We identify with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Beautiful scriptures in the Gospels that tell how that Mary and others 
other of the disciples went to the tomb to to see the body of Christ. And here in Matthew 28, the women arrive there and they see this angel. (laughs) I love reading this passage because an angel has appeared and there's been an earthquake. Okay, that's that's the effect that angels can have. And an angel had appeared. The angel of the Lord appeared at the tomb. There was an earthquake and these these big strapping soldiers who were guarding the tomb. The Bible says that they became as dead men. And, and this, here's the funny bit. The women are still okay. Hey, us big macho guys, you know, think we can take anything. An angel appears and we're like dead, dead meat. But the women... They're okay. They're just a little bit afraid. But the angel said to the women, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified, who died and was buried. But listen, he ain't here. He's not here. Why? Because he's risen. He's risen. Jesus did die. He was buried. He was also raised from the dead. And that's something to get excited about. Because if Jesus was still in the tomb, we would be all wasting our time here. Because Jesus needed to overcome death, hell, and the grave for us. Let me read you Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 in its entirety. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. We read that. There is a reason. Remember I said God does everything on purpose? We were therefore buried with him in baptism into death in order that. You see, the burial is not the end of the story. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Amen. When we baptize people, we bring them up out of the water. We don't leave them there. God doesn't intend for us as Christians to stay in the tomb. Because Christ has risen from the dead. He's been raised into newness of life. The Bible calls it this, eternal life. And that, my friend, is the life that's ours through Jesus Christ. We identify with his death as our old nature is crucified with him at Calvary. We're buried with him in baptism. Critical, crucial Because the Bible says, in order that. How many of you know that you can't be raised if you've never been buried? Doesn't take a rocket scientist to work that one out. There are many Christians, I believe, that are not experiencing the full power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ because they have never been baptized. We identify with his death, his burial, but also his resurrection. And it's that resurrection life that is given to us when we believe and are baptized 
in Jesus Christ. Jesus wasn't just raised from the dead. He was raised into newness of life. As a man, he was raised from the dead. He has, been, he has ascended into heaven. And that's where he is as the son of man right now. Just waiting for that time when his father will say, now go back and get them. How many of us are, are looking forward to that time when Jesus will come and, and get us? Amen. And heaven is going to be a wonderful place. But my friend, let's not miss out on what God has made available to us here and now through that resurrection life. The same Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 says it this way. And I'm going to close right now. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. That resurrection power is in you who believe. Amen? Now, you, you may say, Pastor John, I, I don't feel that. My friends, you don't have to feel it. The world says, seeing is believing. If I can see it, I'll believe it. The Bible says, you believe it, and you'll see it. My friend, faith is believing and then seeing. It's, it's believing in those things which can't be seen. And yet they're so real to us that it is, it is as if we already have them. And that resurrection power is within you. And how do we release it? How do we generate that, that power to be seen in us where the sin in this world, the sin all around us, the evil, the wickedness that surrounds us doesn't oppress us by believing, by believing what the Bible says. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you right now because we've been identified with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Oh, I, I pray that each one of us will live more and more each day in this resurrection life. This life where the things of this world, they don't, they don't influence us. We're not drawn by them. They don't become a temptation to us. Why? Because our eyes are fixed on Jesus. My friends, I, I never... Never, I never get tempted by another woman. That's because my eyes are fixed on my wife. Some of, some of, some husbands, their eyes are not fixed on their wives and they start to look around. Some of us Christians, our eyes are not fixed on Jesus Christ. And we start to look around. Money starts to become attractive. Possessions, position, wealth, recognition, fame. We start to seek to have glory for ourselves. But when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. It's all consuming. It's a lovely old chorus. You can come and start to play if you like, Justin. There's a lovely chorus that goes, I'm not going to sing it, don't worry, otherwise it might scare you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know, baptism is also a command. It's not an optional, not an optional extra. It's a command. In Matthew 28, Jesus, just before he ascended back to the Father, said to his disciples and therefore to us, Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a command. It's not like air conditioning or leather seats in your new car, cruise control. It's a command of God. And there's no other way of saying it than this. If we've not been baptized and we say we're a Christian, we're disobeying God. But let us not be baptized just because we feel obligated. My desire this morning has been to help us to see why it's important, the relevance of baptism. And I hope and I pray and trust that God's word will find a place in your heart, that it will be a living word, a life-giving word that will encourage you to follow Jesus Christ in obedience.